0: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle, very happy, to joined by Matt Baxendell. First of all, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans out there and all of the men and women that have served and are still serving in our military. Could not appreciate you guys any more than we do. Thank you very much and happy Veterans Day to all of the veterans and all of our military personnel. All right, back to Ohio State, Maryland this Saturday, 330 30. College Park Buckeyes favored by 24 and a half points. As of this morning, we'll get into our prediction next. Just your initial thoughts on this game. Obviously Tua's younger brother, Talia Tungavailoa has been a lot better than I thought he would be and maybe a lot better than anybody thought he would be just your initial thoughts on this matchup with the Buckeyes and the Terrapins.
1: Well, first of all, let me echo your thanks to all of our veterans. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm actually here in Chicago with a veteran of the Iraq war who is now an emergency room doctor in the city of Columbus. So, uh, you know, Veterans Day has been a particularly cool day for us here. Um, As for Maryland, uh, I wanted to sit here and talk about Talia Tagovailoa, the erstwhile overlooked younger brother to most of us. I think a lot of us thought he just got an Alabama scholarship because his brother went there, right? Dude, the last two weeks, he's been awesome. He's thrown for like 600 and something yards the last two games, six touchdowns against only one pick. Maryland's won both of their games. And he's got two really good receivers in Demos Jr. and Raheem Jarrett, who, as we all know, Ohio State had a high interest in last year until I think Ryan Day decided that uh, much like a child who's had way too much candy, he just can't have that very last Snickers bar. This would have been the fifth elite receiver in the class, and that just seems ostentatious. But Maryland's a team, like when they played Northwestern in week one, they got absolutely murdered. It was 43 to three. And then the last two weeks they've turned around, they, they didn't just beat Penn State, they blew the doors off. Penn State, um, and the last time we went to Maryland, you know we've all tried to block like the memories of the defense in the 2018 season out of our mind, lest us not forget this was another two point conversion for Ohio State that went their way at the end of a game in a year where maybe the defense wasn't up to the snuff it should have been. Uh, that was a play, by the way, where I believe the guy for Maryland dropped the pass. So you know this is a uh, this is the last time we went to Maryland was pretty scary, and. It tells you how drunk 2020 is that Mike Loxley is appearing to be a capable and competent coach, but that's where we're at. And Maryland can score. And the flip side of that is, and I've had people calling me, you know, oh, Bax is concerned about something. He's worried about something. Well, the reality is, yeah, you should be concerned about the secondary after the last two games. Ohio State's defense in the last two games in the second half has given up 46 points. That's bad. That's very bad. It's a no good, very bad thing. And you're going up against a team that probably has the second-best passing attack in the Big Ten behind, of course, the Buckeyes. So this is a tester sort of game for me. Uh, I didn't think – I don't really think anybody thought coming this the season that Maryland was going to be the kind of game where we were thinking, all right, this is sort of a measuring stick for us. But for me, for the pass defense, this is absolutely a measuring stick game. And if the pass defense can go out and slow down what has been a pretty prolific Maryland passing game in the last two weeks, I'm going to feel a lot better about their progress as the season goes on. And Dave, I know we've, we've sort of looked at this kind of sideways all year in college football with how many points are being given up. I think it's just a byproduct of no spring practice. The tackling isn't there. They don't know their positioning and their systems as well as they could have. And in today's football, it's a lot easier to score than it is to defend. At least that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. So that's going to be one of the big things for me to watch this weekend is how does the secondary for Ohio state hold up against the passing attack?
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is the first time Ohio State has been doubted. The players, the coaches, this is the first time they're really hearing real negativity. They were touted coming into the season as being great. First two weeks, even though there were some things that maybe weren't perfect, they were still touted as being great, this and that. And for the first time, they're being doubted. And I tend to think they're going to take it to Maryland. And Maryland has, you know, exceeded expectations the last couple of weeks and then some. I mean, they've uh, extremely exceeded expectations. I think this is going to galvanize Ohio state and they're going to bring their a game. And, you know, I have them covering and smothering this spread. I have Ohio state winning this game 59 to 20. Maybe that's a little optimistic about the defense, but I think this offense is going to have its way with Maryland. I think the defense is finally going to play a complete game. If you only give up 20 points to this Maryland team, that's a hell of a game. So maybe I'm being a little optimistic here, but I just, I smell a blowout coming backs. 59 to 20 is my prediction. What is your prediction for a final score?
1: So it's funny, the first two weeks, you and I were very similar in our staff picks in the round table. Roundtable. Um, to the point that I, I I, know I picked the margin dead on in the first game, and I think you were right there or a point or two off with me. And we were both, you know, a little less bullish on the blowout when it came to playing Penn State. Last week we diverged a little bit, and I, I thought that uh, Ohio State was going to get it done defensively, and they did not. So I'm going to be the flip this week. I actually have less faith in our, faith in our defense right now. I'm pure in Missouri territory. Show me what you can do defense. I agree with you completely. 59 was a number I had in my head, but I think it should be 59 to 35. That's the score in my mind. I need to see this defense stop the pass for four quarters, especially against a good passing team like Maryland is, to actually believe that they are really in a spot where they're getting it together. And another example everybody gives is, look, Alabama gave up a ton of points to Ole Miss. And then they turned around and they've been really good the last couple weeks after that. All right, cool. I hope that's what happened, but I'm going to have to see it to believe it, especially against a passing attack like Maryland. So 59 35 Buckeyes is
0: my pick. If they give up 35 points to Maryland and it's the defense giving it up, it's not like special teams, it's not like, you know, pick six and stuff like that or fumble returns. That spells huge trouble, in my opinion. And Maryland, again, is a lot better than anybody thought. Um, Viloa Jr., which is really not his name, uh, Talia Tungavailoa, Tua's brother, as everybody calls him. He's really good, and I, I did not think he would be good. Like you said earlier in the show, I thought, okay, he's just obviously at Alabama just because of Tua, and if he was good, then he would stay at Alabama and Maryland's getting, you know, this guy that probably shouldn't even be on scholarship. As it turns out, he's only a sophomore and he's really really good. I've watched a lot of him the last couple of weeks. So, but They're all that being blue. said, if Mar- if Maryland scores 35 points on this defense, this is not a national championship team.
1: Yeah, it's a concern. I agree. And you know, the other the other thing I think that's that to be pointed out here is that If Maryland scores 35 points on this team, well, guess what? Look at the second half last week. And I know people are going to go, oh, there was more younger people rotated in, yada, yada, yada. Here's what happened to finish the game. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. 21 plays, 82 yards with a fumble in the red zone. I'm sorry. The backups, the starters, I don't care who's in. That's a horrific performance. And that comes off of a week before where Jahan Dotson played the man versus Ohio State's boys in the secondary right? Like Sean Wade is supposed to be an elite top 15 player in the NFL draft corner. and We haven't seen it yet. Seven banks is supposed to be the next one year and done first round corner. We haven't seen it yet. Our safeties are not there yet. Well, guess what? I am going to have to see it to believe it. And you know, Dave, I think you're right. It's it's kind of like seeing Clemson run for 32 yards on 35 carries against Notre Dame. And we're all sitting here thinking, even when Lawrence comes back, is that the team? Well, if Ohio State can't defend the pass against Maryland, what are they going to do against Clemson? What are they going to do against Alabama? Like Justin Fields and company can easily score 70 on anybody. If they, have to, if they threw the ball every darn time Texas Tech style, nobody in the country stops them. We're going to outscore teams if we have to. But right now, I have not seen enough from this defense to make me feel confident that against a competent passing game with some high-level receivers in terms of talent, that they're going to be able to get it done. Prove me wrong. I want to see it.
0: We're doing a lot of whining on the show today, led by me. Let's switch gears and talk about this offense. I mean, Justin Fields, best quarterback in Ohio State history, I think is going to be sealed deal before it's all said and done. You look at the combination of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson might go down as one of the best receivers in Ohio State history. And Chris Olave is projected as a first-round pick, and I think he's the second-best receiver on this team behind Garrett Wilson. Not that there's a lot of separation there. Just could not be more impressed with those two. You look at this offensive line, guys we expected to play the best are not even playing well, but I'm still bullish on Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. They did not grade out as a champion this past week. Harry Miller had a really tough week, but I'm still bullish on this offensive line. And the biggest question coming into the season, backs on the offensive line, was Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Through the first three games, he is grading out higher than any other offensive lineman. According to Ryan Day, we had a chance to talk to Ryan Day and we had a chance to talk to Nick Pettit-Ferrer. I have a story on the site. What a what an engaging, cool young man he is. It was a really good chance to interview him. It was over Zoom, of course, but still a really good opportunity to interview him. And I think people will really enjoy the story and the video. We have the entire video up there. But NPF is the offensive player of the week for Ohio State coming off the Rutgers game. Again, I think this offensive line overall has underperformed so far. But I think they're going to be dominant by the end of the season and one of the reasons is NPF, the guy that was the biggest question mark backs is playing out of his mind right now.
1: Yeah. He, I was going to say, you, you said exactly what I was going to say. He's been their best defensive line. It's not been Thayer Munford at the other tackle. Like we thought he would be. Uh, it's not been Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, who I still think are, are elite level players. And it's not been Harry Miller, who before the season, I, 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 the way I described him was the most confident I've ever been in a new starter ever at Ohio state in the O line in the last 20 years. And, like let's face it, NPF has been excellent. There was one block he had against Rutgers where he he went like 10 yards off the sideline blocking the guy. I mean, I, was, I remember watching the end of the play like, wow, he's mauling that guy. He's been excellent this year. But I agree with you. I think the O-line overall, they haven't been bad. But they haven't been the best O-line in Ohio State history like we talked about them potentially being in August and September before the season. And Part of this may just be the weirdness of 2020, the concerns of the defense we just talked about, the offensive line not being apex yet. That may just be the byproduct of the fact that it takes a little while to gel and they haven't had a couple of Mac teams that treat like sacrifices. And, you know, that, that's just part of the learning process when you're kind of thrown into the fire against better teams. Uh, but the reality is NPF being as good as he's been, when we were the most worried about him, is such a heartening sign for how good the O-line is going to be. And here's another thing that I think is really heartening about how good the O-line has been. We've been underwhelmed by the top two tailbacks in Trey Sermon and Matt Teague so far this year. But if you look every game, at their, and I put this in the bucket last week because it stood out like a sore thumb to me. The first game, their average yard per carry on rushes was like sub-three combined. The second game against Penn State, it was like four-point-something yards combined against Rutgers, it was five point something yards combined quality of opponents aside. That's a positive trend. It's getting better every week. And these are also two guys who are recovering from injury, by the way. So you're going to see them naturally get better, of course, as they get more reps under their belt, but it's a very positive sign for the quality of play of the offensive line that our run game is improving its yards per carry among its top two workhorses each and every week. While Justin Fields carries are notably dropping down, right? And I, I think the O-line is going to be fine. My, my concerns about the offense are extraordinarily minimal compared to the defense right now. And we haven't even mentioned the fact beyond just kind of cursory. It's like an accepted fact that Justin Fields is the best quarterback Ohio State has ever had. I, I thought Dwayne Haskins two years ago would be hard to ever top how he took essentially was a seven win caliber team. To 12 wins in a Rose bowl pretty much on the strength of his passing abilities,
0: 13 but, wins, but who's counting 13 yeah, and wins.
1: One wins in the, the 13th in the Rose bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that, that, that underlines it even more. Dwayne Haskins probably doubled their win total with his ability alone on how horrific that defense was and how average that team as a whole was right. Fields is way better. And it's not because Haskins is struggling in a crappy situation in the NFL. It's just, Fields has more touchdowns and incompletions this year. And I feel like half his incompletions are flat out drops. Some of which would have gone for more touchdowns. Like he's had more plays this year where he rolls out of the pocket. You think he's just given up on the play and chucking it away. And it's a completion for a TD. And and like, like he is, he's playing the best football I may have ever seen from a quarterback in college football. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. He is so good. And if he stays healthy, nobody's going to beat Ohio State because if Justin Fields has to score 80 to win, he's going to do it. But, like, the reality is the offense is in a good spot, and I think Maryland's in a world of hurt against this offense, particularly if the O-line continues to, like, move it up a notch in terms of the quality of performance we expect from these guys. I think they can do it. And,
0: you know, for all of our concerns about the defense, I don't really have many about the offense, to be real honest. Justin Fields is out of this world incredible. Justin Fields is amazing can't say enough nice things about him i mean like again as you said as i said he will go down as the best quarterback in ohio state history and that's a bold statement but um uh i am very confident that will be proven true you know who does not look good michigan and penn state my god they look awful let's close the show with talking about the wolverines and the nittany lions one in five combined and it's not just that they're losing. It's how they're losing. Michigan finds a way to lose to terrible Michigan state. And then I never thought I'd see the day backs where Indiana, not only just absolutely hammers Michigan in the score, but they were the more physical team. I mean, they were just by far and away way, the more physical team, the better team, the more physical team. And it's one thing to be the better team, maybe every, you know, once every 10 years or once every 24 years, wink, wink, or 34 years as it might be, Indiana might actually you know be able to beat Michigan and maybe have a little bit more talent. But I never thought Indiana would be more physical than Michigan. Then you look at Penn State, and we've been talking up Maryland and Tonga and everything he's doing and, and the talent they have. Penn State was favored by 27 points in that game. To be specific, backs Penn State was favored by 27 and a half points, and Maryland smoked them. I don't, and, Mer- and you know what else? It, Michigan's recruiting class right now, as much as they're not doing that great, at least it's barely a top 10 class. It's ranked number nine in the composite. Penn State is ranked 31st in the country in recruiting, 31st in the 2021 class. I, I just, what they're doing on the field and what they're doing in recruiting combined, it's just amazingly bad when you consider the expectations for those programs. Your thoughts overall on Michigan and Penn State? They didn't just lose last weekend.
1: Both programs got their asses kicked. And that is the starkest way to put it that I can think of. Like when Penn State lost the first week to Indiana, that was your classic formula for a fluke upset by a worse team, right? Penn State outgained them like 500 to 210, right? There were some dumb turnovers. There was the guy who didn't take a knee on the three-yard line to end the game like he should have for Penn State, right? And, all this, and I'm still not convinced Michael Penix Jr. got into the end zone, right? And in that overtime of the two-point conversion. But that game had every crazy hallmark of a Thursday night football on ESPN circa mid-aughts that you would have expected for an upset, right? Michigan got flat-out beat up by Indiana. That was not a close game. Indiana was flat-out the better team. Indiana cared more. Indiana simply was more dominant and Indiana had the better players. It looked like, like for all the recruiting stars that you put around Michigan, Jim Harbaugh has done less with more than almost anybody in the country. And like their end of the Rodriguez era, end of the Hoke era bad right now. And I don't know how that number 10 recruiting class is going to hold up in the weeks to come as Harbaugh's contract gets shorter and his losses grow because if they can't beat Michigan State who objectively is the worst team in the conference who are they gonna beat like Rutgers at least has a pulse it feels like Michigan is like a, a like like a dead man walking and the guys out there are just showing up waiting to get you know waiting to get 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 gunned down in front of a wall like they like it's not like they didn't like you know they collapsed emotionally they didn't have any emotion they're like yep we're here we're losing this sucks yep cool see ya that was how like their players reacted and like, that's the way, like, do you think Maryland's not going to be able to throw the ball all over them? I mean, outside of Daxton Hill, they don't have anybody in their secondary. It makes me go, wow, they can cover, right? Like Quiddy pays out there trying to carry the whole defense himself. And nobody else has much on that defense. And then like they, make Joe Milton out to be this like superstar guy. Like we made fun of him in the preseason about how he was Dante Culpepper meets Cam Newton meets Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Well, like he doesn't even know who the best player on Michigan state's defense was two weeks ago. Like that's, Emblematic of Harbaugh's program, where they're not prepared enough. They're too arrogant. And Harbaugh's just standing there with his mouth half open, not really comprehending what's going on. I hope he gets a lifetime contract, but there's no way he comes back after, certainly next year when his contract expires. But to me, it seems like this is the end of the Harbaugh era in Michigan, and they're going to quietly separate ways in the offseason. Then there's Penn State, who we've been talking about for months now on the recruiting trail, going, What in the hell's going on? I mean, this is the James Franklin who've run a multiple top 10 classes in a row, like two years ago. And now they, can, they can't they can even break in the top 25 in a big time football state at a program that's had a lot of success on the field. Like, what does that say about Franklin? That people in Pennsylvania don't want to go there. It means the people who are closest to the situation, much like the kids in Michigan, uh, look at the program and think, I don't want to be a part of this. It looks like, you know, a, a, a mess. And Penn State at 0-3, like their first two losses you can excuse, right? Like, the first game was a crazy fluke upset. They were the better team. Ohio State went in, and you lost to Ohio State. There's no shame in that. Any team in the country loses to Ohio State. There's no shame in that. What there is shame in is it not showing up to play against Maryland, and letting them run ragged all over you and kick your butt. And I know Sean Clifford's not a great quarterback. I've said repeatedly that I think he, he's been – the difference between him and Tracy McSorley could not be more stark, right? But it, they didn't even compete. I mean, that game, That final score didn't represent how badly Maryland murdered them in that game. And I think Penn State's going to get it together more likely than I think Michigan is. But right now, this is the worst those two teams have started in at least a decade, if not longer. And both of them look like, like I think Franklin's certainly going to be back. He's had too much success. They just want oh, to, the, the the Cotton Bowl, I believe, last year, they're missing their top two running backs. They're missing a top 15 pick in the draft and Micah Parsons. There's plenty of excuses, but it's still problematic watching them. I certainly don't know how long Franklin's going to go because how much added time has he had on his career based on that one Ohio State upset where Ohio State rushed the field goal team out in Happy Valley and got the kick blocks for a touchdown return. If that doesn't happen, is Franklin still the coach at Penn State? Do they have that renaissance in the program? I don't think so. I really don't. And so Franklin's essentially... Done well on borrowed time by getting enough talent in the program. The talent is weighted 9 10 wins a year. This is a weird year. This won't hurt him. But if he doesn't have the talent in the pipeline, like he currently hasn't been bringing in last year's class and this year's class, it's going to catch up to him. And I can tell you right now, I've never seen a less confident coach than James Franklin in the first series against Ohio State going for it on fourth and like three in his own half of the field in the first half of the first quarter. That is a panic move of epic proportions. Ohio State clearly has him on tilt. And right now, that whole program hasn't gotten off of tilt. The two biggest quote unquote challengers, the the Buckeyes and the Big Ten East, are already in line for a chump of a season. And, you know, honestly, I think one of those programs in Michigan is going to have a new head coach next year. Hope to God it's not Luke Fickle. And the other one's going to be a program that you're going to see on the decline for the next year or two before they find a new coach there, too.
0: Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks again to Bax. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Have a great day, Buck Nutters.